0: Have I got a conversation for you today? This episode of Weaving the Wild, we are welcoming on the incredible Haley Nicole from Root & Womb Collective. This episode is a biggie (laughs) in more ways than one. So take a deep breath with me and let's dive in. Welcome, beautiful soul, to the Weaving the Wild podcast. In this space, we are reclaiming and remembering the wildish wisdom and knowledge that lies deep within our bones and reconnecting to those parts of ourselves that are both ancient and familiar. We talk about it all, awakening our collective wildness and dropping back into our bodies, honoring our cyclical rhythms, connecting to our roots, embracing our intuitive nature and living embodied within the feminine. I'm Rachel Hodgins, and I'm honoured to be walking this path beside you. Let's dive in. Hayley Nicole is a holistic womb healer, a feminine embodiment guide, and the creatress of the Root and Womb Collective, as well as the host of the Root and Womb Collective podcast. I was so thrilled to get her on the podcast today because this is a woman whose work truly and deeply resonates with my own heart and womb. And what I love most about Hayley is I don't so much see her as a teacher. She is a leader. She is so deeply embodied and walks her talk and you see it. You see it in everything that she writes and creates and shares. Her work is a reflection of who she is and how she lives. And that is just such medicine. This episode is big. It's the longest I think that I've ever released on this podcast. So feel free to listen to it in a couple of sittings if you need. But I get the feeling that once you start, you're not going to want to stop. There is so much woven within this conversation. There's so much juice for you to squeeze. What I will say is, while there are definitely some really beautiful, tangible suggestions and ideas for you to kind of sink your teeth into within this episode, I invite you to begin by taking off your rational thinking cap because we are really swimming within the intangible realms of the feminine for a lot of this conversation. Some of these concepts can take a little bit of time to click and to land, and sometimes you just need to be in the right place and space to to, to receive them as well. So I just really invite you to move with us. Just flow. Don't get stuck wherever something isn't clear or not really landing. And lean into what does resonate. And I know that if you love those deep and juicy conversations around the feminine, this episode is going to be right up your alley. In our conversation today, we talk about the feminine rites of passage and how Haley's journey is really one of reinitiating herself. We talk about the energetics of menstruation and ovulation as well as the shadows that we may experience these pivotal parts of our cycle we dive into womb health and what to look for how to decipher the physical messages that your body and your womb are sending you and we also talk about what the feminine can teach us about the void and how we can really engage with this energy that can feel quite overwhelming and scary At times, I share a story of my own around my GP and my cervix, which I haven't told before. And when we recorded this episode a few weeks back, it was right around the time when Roe versus Wade and the issue around abortion in the US was really rising up again. And this was something that haley and i both felt quite called to to touch on and and talk about and in this episode haley shares her own experiences around abortion and in particular the way in which it relates to rites of passage these feminine initiations or lack of, as well as the healing and the integration that, that she sees is really needed for those who choose to terminate a pregnancy. I'm so grateful to Haley for her beautiful and thoughtful articulation on this really tender topic. And I think there's so much available to anyone listening, whether you've experienced an abortion or pregnancy loss or not, you know, there is some really deep medicine available within this conversation in terms of, of you know, the matter of initiation in general, I would say. Haley mentions at the end of this episode that she has an incredible new course that's coming out. She didn't have a date as we were recording, but I can say that it is now open. So at the end of this episode, be sure to check out the show notes i will leave the link for that as well as everything else all the other resources and things mentioned for you to be able to find links for all of them and okay i, I think that's enough for this intro this episode's long enough to begin with so grab yourself a cuppa settle in and let's dive into the depth and the breadth of the feminine with Haley nicole So welcome, beautiful Haley. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I cannot wait for our conversation and to
1: to dive
0: in today.
1: Mm, Thank you, Rachel. I'm so honored and excited to be here with you as well.
0: I would love to begin um, just by hearing, I suppose, introducing yourself a little and hearing your journey a little bit more and what are those moments or, or points of initiation that have led you on your path and, and into this work that you do today?
1: Yes. I'd love to share because it's definitely been a journey to say the least. And there's been a lot of different really monumental pieces that have informed my work and have you know, really created this deep passion within my heart and within my body for women to really restore the intelligence and the health of their female body and their womb. So, yeah, my story really begins at the age of around 17. I mean, this was obviously so much life happens prior to that. But at the age of 17, I developed a pretty intense eating disorder and I struggled with bulimia and orthorexia and exercise addiction for on and off about four to five years. And that journey of really being so disconnected from my body, from who I really was as a woman, as a feminine being, allowed me to really understand a lot of the societal challenges that we as women are faced with and that we move through throughout our life. And throughout that time, you know, there was a lot of different family changes that were happening, right? Like environmental influences that impacted those behaviors and those habits. Um, But there was also just this deep disconnection from my soul and from who I was, right? I really didn't feel like I knew who I was at all at that time of my life. And as I, you know, went through my late teenage years and early twenties and eventually kind of expanded out of those behaviors through my own self-development and my own exploration into my spirituality and embodiment practices, you know, I was able to really pull myself up from those experiences. But Throughout that time as well, I was also on hormonal birth control. And that was also a really pivotal moment in my journey because that was really what introduced me into the realm of the womb. And prior to being on hormonal birth control, I had literally not one clue as to anything that had to do with my hormonal health, my menstrual health. Uh, what ovulation was, what my fertility represented, right? There was no education for me. And I think that's the case for a lot of women and girls around the intelligence of my body and the seasons and cycles of my womb. And so once I got on hormonal birth control, you know, I just thought, everyone's doing this you know everyone's everyone's on hormonal birth control it's it's just what people do when they want to avoid pregnancy and i was on and off hormonal birth control for about 3 years uh, i was never on it for that long i was on the actual hormonal pill and then i also had an iud and through my experiences with birth control it really opened me up to how little we know about our bodies, how little I knew about my body. And when I finally decided that hormonal birth control and the IUD were not for me because of extreme physical, emotional, and spiritual side effects of being on those forms of contraceptive, you know, I was really left empty-handed. I remember like getting my IUD taken out and the doctor Just handing me like a bag of condoms and basically saying, okay, good luck and waving me away at this center that is focused upon women's reproductive health. And so that was a really... Defining moment. I actually will never forget walking out of the parking lot. I was wearing a pad because when you get the IUD removed, you experience a good amount of bleeding afterwards. And so I walked around campus that day. I was still in college, walked around campus in a pad and a dress that entire day. And I just remember feeling so disconnected from this center of my body and so confused. And that really set me off on this journey, which has now turned into my work of really deeply understanding the wisdom of our womb, how our body works, our menstrual cycle, our fertility. So I I do a lot of work and education and support women with their physical womb healing. And also, which has, you know, kind of unraveled. After the the physical elements kind of unraveled themselves, but deepening into the energetics and the emotional layers and capacity of our womb as our inner oracle, as our center of truth within our female body. So, yeah, eating disorder, birth control. um, I know that we'll kind of go into this a little bit later, but my experiences with abortion have really informed and paved the way for me to be a steward of this healing and of this work. And yeah, today I run a women's community and podcast called Root & Womb Collective and we are in devotion to the feminine healing journey and so i work alongside women one-on-one and also in groups and in courses from a range of topics um woman menstrual cycle healing feminine wisdom and embodiment i am in the works right now of creating a couple courses on transitioning off birth control and also preparing your body for the preconceptive years and so really covering a vast array of topics and explorations that really uh, inform who we are as feminine beings and really orient our direction to our womanhood.
0: Mm. So there's, I I just I love the the work that you do and I love the the essence within it. I I feel everything that you write and share, Haley, just like it resonates so much. Um, so we're gonna talk about that in a second as well. But something that really came through then as you were sharing your story um, that I want to kind of reflect back on as well is it really, it, it, it speaks to me as the the heroine's journey almost. And especially like your, you know, you shared that your your starting point or your story was around that age of 17 and the the confusion and disconnection which kind of comes along with that time when we're we're lacking certain um initiations essentially these rites of passages that we're kind of um we're moving through whether we are conscious of it or not whether we're literally led through it or not and the the way in which we experience these moments and time periods of our lives deeply affect how we understand who we are and our role in the world. And sort of hearing you share your story there, where going from, you might say, like the uninitiated maiden and finding your way, like you really, in a lot of ways, to me, embody someone who has led herself through and reinitiated herself into into the feminine and I have goosebumps saying that Um, but I just want to reflect that back to you because I think it's really beautiful and I think it's something especially when you know rites of passage may not be something that a lot of people are familiar with in terms of you know of of, it's it's non-existent in our culture let's face it particularly like feminine like the the blood mysteries and rites of passage for women so we, we might get into that a little bit later but when we start to to dive into this work, and I think for a lot of people who who hear this, and they're like, "Well, I wasn't initiated. What does that mean for me?" I think it it's really important to witness stories such as what you've just shared, where it's it's a lot of the time um, possible for us to initiate ourselves um, and to to follow willingly the journey that will you know that will will bring us into right relationship with our bodies and the feminine as well.
1: Mm, Yes, that was all articulated so well, Rachel. I love that point that you shared about initiating ourselves because to me, that was really what, not in the moment, right? I wasn't thinking through the moments of, of that. I didn't think that's what was going on, but in hindsight, I'm able to really see it from that clear perspective, right? Especially The transition off of birth control, especially my abortions, right? I was really moving through this threshold and through this transition that gets to be held with such grace and love and compassion and deep rooted intention for what is this trajectory what is this new direction that i'm being called to step into and i think that that was illuminated a lot more for me as my path deepened and you know i learned about rites of passage right when i when i first heard rites of passage it was this it was this moment of sinking into myself sinking into my root system and really feeling the truth of what that represented. And I think it's truly a tragedy that we don't have these rites of passage within our lives that are embedded into our, yeah, into our lives as women, because we do have so many moments throughout our life cycle that we are moving through these new thresholds, that we are stepping into these new doors. Yet when we don't recognize that it's a rite of passage, we feel all of the emotions of confusion and uncertainty and anger and sadness and frustration. And, and you know, of course, not having the support system to lean into. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just I love how you shared all that because I feel like as women, we are constantly being... Opened new doors of rites of passage, right? There are kind of the traditional ones that we understand, right? Our first bleed or first menses, right? Becoming a mother, transitioning into menopause. Those are kind of the um, foundational rites of passage that should always be honored and still aren't. And I feel like we are always walking through kind of these many rites of passage as well as it relates to. Our life, our womb, our relationships, our health, our businesses. So yeah, there's really this deeper need for an honoring of that, and even if it means just honoring it yourself, because there's a lot of times these these inner just these inner journeys that we move through that won't be understood fully by the external world it's not going to be fully received to the depths of how you're receiving it by your partner or your friends or your community and so learning how to create those rites of passage yourself is really powerful 100 mm. percent. couldn't
0: agree more I want to, um, before we really dive in, I do have questions, <laughs> but <laughs> something that I want to ask as well, or hear you talk about a little more, as I said, so much of, of what you speak to and the way that you, you articulate certain things and ideas really resonate with me. And there's something you shared in a, a recent podcast episode of Root and Wim Collective podcast um, that. It really resonated. And you were you were sharing the, the way that you approach feminine embodiment. And I, I'm using this like as a, a broad term here for the work that you do, um, and certainly like the work that I do as well. But the way that you approach feminine embodiment as more of an orientation to life as opposed to like specific practices and things like that. And it it really, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's very much uh, like my own approach to that, to that term and why I, I use it as well. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that as it being an orientation to life. What does that mean?
1: Yes. I love that you pulled that out because yeah, I've never actually been asked this question and I think it's An important question. I think it's going to really create a lot of threads of thought for people who are listening. I think that in our current world right now, there's a lot of different iterations and expressions of the feminine. And in my experience, what I'm about to share feels the most authentic to me, it feels the most true, it feels the most peaceful. And ultimately our expressions and our orientations with these different energies, the masculine and the feminine, they get to feel truthful to us. So I just kind of pose that as a beginning uh, beginning piece of this exploration, because my truth won't always be someone else's. Um, so feminine embodiment as an orientation to life, for me, really represents the way that one moves and orients to life itself. So there are different energetics that are really connected to the feminine in my eyes. And those are specifically the emotions and energies of trust, of surrender, of listening, of being receptive connecting to the earth, connecting to our bodies, living in alignment with the cycle and the seasons of our womb. So when we approach life with this feminine orientation, we're really coming into a place of relationship with life. We're coming into a place where we aren't just going through the motions. We aren't just doing life. We're not ticking off the things. We aren't just, you know, blindfolded, moving through our lives. We're really in this divine dance with our bodies first and foremost and earth and God. And it's a very different orientation towards life than what we've been kind of culturally accustomed to because culturally we're really taught to Strive for success to, you know, get the house and the partner and the dog and the boyfriend and the money and all these things and all the clothes and all these things. And I think, especially now with just how much there is surrounding the feminine on social media, it can kind of come across as this way that you need to look and this way you need to dance and this way that you need to present yourself and you need to do and I say do in quotes but do all these different things in order to be in your feminine and the energy of doing and the energy of being are quite polar opposites if you ask me and so to be in our feminine doesn't require us to really do anything and and I want to just say here too that being in your feminine isn't necessarily just this passive orientation. It's not just like, oh, I'm just letting the clouds roll by and letting the waves hit me as is. It's not about that. But it's really ultimately about developing this deep relationship to life itself and where life is guiding you. And I think one of the deepest gifts that we really have as women is being able to listen to the subtleties of life, to hear and be able to understand through the technology of our body, those messages that are in the in-between. And when we're in this state of hyper-masculinity and constantly moving and going and forward, you know, forward thinking, we aren't receptive enough. We aren't rooted in our center to be able to hear, to be able to listen and something that I have just continuously come back to again and again and again on my journey and then also working alongside clients is that the answer is always in front of you. The answer is always in front of you. And so this feminine orientation is also centered upon trusting your body trusting your intuition's ability to share with you what is in front of you here, what is in front of you now. And I say that also with kind of an asterisk at the bottom of it, because for a lot of us, we do get to unravel our trauma responses and our nervous system responses when learning how to listen to our intuition. Um, But yeah, Rachel, I really love this question because it's It's layered, you know, it doesn't just become this thing that we do. And it's something that is practiced. Like for me, especially, I have to practice being in my feminine. I have to practice surrendering and listening and trusting the journey of life, trusting the direction that God is asking me to move in without always being Without always having the answers in front of me. And I think that this approach to spirituality, this approach to living in relationship to the earth and to our bodies and to ourselves, it's more mystical. It's definitely the path of the priestess. It is the path of trusting in that which is not always in front of you. And that is I think some of the deepest work that we'll ever do in our lives is really being able to honor the pure and utter truth that life is a mystery, that we have no idea what the next day will bring. And it's so, we so want to grasp onto control. And my goodness, like for me, that's, you know, I I have my like one to two year plan mapped out in my head. Like, okay, this is what I want my business to look like. This is when I want this to happen, and and it's beautiful to have all those things. And it doesn't mean that that's not feminine, but it's there's there's that part of me, and then there's also this deeper part of me that is like Haley. Life is an ever going mystery, and so if there's any way to kind of wrap up this long elaborate explanation a feminine orientation to life it's centered upon being in relationship to life itself listening surrendering being able to trust the lessons and the 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 hardships that are coming to you right i think so often we want to just experience the good and the happy and the bliss of course we do but there's also deep Deep medicine that is to be reaped in the challenge, in the hardship, in the times where we can't see the path clearly. When we can't see the path clearly, is when our surrender muscle is really tested. So it's it's an ongoing journey. It's not it's not like a normal path of life, you know. I think that there's a lot of people that might even be listening to this and being like wait what you know it's it's not a conventional existence but it is one of dancing with devotion and really really ultimately at the end of the day being committed to receiving the lessons that god a great spirit has for you and being continually committed and in devotion to Your path and healing your lineage
0: I don't even really have too much to say there it's just like it's all there (laughs) and I actually (laughs) invite like if if for anyone who's listening to this I think I I'm actually going to come back and just listen to this again myself because I feel like there's maybe multiple layers to just unravel and receive (laughs) but something that um I do also want to reflect on is it really, one of the, the, the biggest, like the, the key to the feminine is surrender. And I find that particularly in my one-on-one work that I do, I notice a lot of the people who are coming to me are in some way experiencing what I would call the void um which is, you know, it's a moment of stickiness, ickiness, stagnation, confusion, feeling lost, dark matter of the soul. it can be extreme or it can just be, you know a bit a bit confused for a bit. It's, it can take many forms, but a lot of the people I work with are often experiencing or grappling with the void in some way and the discomfort that comes up there and it's really it's I was going to say it's funny. They're, they're not feeling it's funny, but it's something that I, I find interesting because I, I think on the surface when they they reach out and they're looking for support, they're wanting someone to support them to move through it and get out to the other side. And a lot of the time, like, of course, that's, you know, I'm, I'm here to walk with you. But a lot of the time I'm saying the last thing they want to hear, which is you're okay be with it in in one way or another and i i know that for so many people and i'm you know i'm not separate from this i go through my voids all the time and the discomfort is real and it's there for a reason right and every time we're there the that we know there may be other little lessons and learnings that are there for us to receive in it but always always there is an overarching medicine that is there for us, telling us to let go and surrender. And that surrender doesn't need to be, oh, I I trust that it will all be okay. And I trust that everything will come my way. It's just the not right time. It doesn't have to be that point. But the surrender can come as well in just being okay with not being okay or just Mm -hmm. being in the present within this. And knowing deep, 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 deep within that this too shall pass. Nothing is stagnant in this world. And that is, that's the medicine of the feminine for me. Um, But I also, um, I want to just really quickly touch as well, because you mentioned, you know, like the being and the doing. Mm. And. I I kind of also want to touch on like when it comes to, I suppose we, we might say like the feminine embodiment practices and things like that. And I know I share a lot. I have episodes around, you know, literal, physical, tangible things you can do to like incorporate into your life. And I think they're important in the sense, um, like I know for me, particularly when we're trying to dapple in the feminine from a world that's entirely about the physical tangible things, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's nice. And it's, it's, it's a kind of important to have things which we can grasp and and utilize to, to enter into that journey. But a lot of it, when I share these things, and I feel like I'd like to hear your, your thoughts too, but um, it's, more about the the why than the how and I think eventually we get to that point and sometimes we do have to start with the how and the you know I'll do the honest his and I'll do the embodied movement and dance and things like that because that's what I've got to do but mm-hmm. eventually we come to a place where the for me the doing and the, the striving is where our energy is it's it's living out there. It's projecting out on the things, right? And the feminine, once we click, once we land or she lands within, the, the feminine brings our energy back in as opposed to out there. And so it becomes less about the the practice itself and what the practice is, is doing for us and why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful that you bring this up too, because I think everything you shared is so true that people need to have these really tangible practices to support them in kind of accessing their feminine energy, especially if they have lived a life of very mental, heady, dominant ways of being. We need those ways of Yeah. Entering into that doorway in a way that feels tangible and real and still makes us feel like we're doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you've shared too, we do reach a point once that energy, once that like energetic shift happens within our bodies, where we really realize that it's not about the doing, it's about the being. And I can be in my feminine while I'm still technically doing more of a masculine-oriented task, right? So in that kind of traditional black or white thinking, it's like, oh, okay, the masculine is the doing. So if I'm doing anything, then I'm in my masculine, whereas if I'm just kind of resting, relaxing (laughs) – Hanging out, that I'm more in my feminine. But I've really challenged myself on that belief because I don't believe it to be true. This again goes to that feminine orientation. We can be, you and I can both be in our feminine energies and in our ability to be open and receptive, even in a kind of environment, such as a podcast interview, that might be considered more masculine. And so the way I kind of see it as is, is being this muscle, it's this somatic memory within our bodies that at fe- first feels very foreign. So it's kind of relatable to when a woman begins to reconnect to her womb. A lot of times it's met with this sensation of numbness or nothing being there or not being able to connect. And I always say that not feeling anything is feeling something. Numbness is a sensation. And it's similar to surrender. It's similar to trust. When we've never practiced surrender or trust from at least a somatic perspective, you can say you trust yourself or you trust life all day long in your head and in your mind. You can write all the affirmations down all you want. But that's a very different experience than. Landing and trust. And so if you have lived your whole life, never feeling trustful, never being able to surrender or get into that place of receptivity, it's not going to just go from black to white. It is a journey of, of learning to access that somatic ability within our bodies. And so this takes practice. It takes practice for us to soften to relax. And that's where a lot of these feminine embodiment practices, such as yoni steaming or different movement practices or nature walks, right? It can support us in beginning to access that muscle within our bodies so that in the moments where we really need it, we can call upon it. We can be like, okay, that is, that is what I'm in need of right now is that energy of surrender." And something you shared also, Rachel, was like that the masculine is more kind of we're going out here. It is more of this externalization of our energy, whereas our feminine is more restorative, bringing ourselves back to our back home. And something I speak about pretty often on my channels is this concept of our feminine spirit being starved and dehydrated. And this is something that I'm sure you see a lot within your work with women. And it's definitely something that I see almost always with my clients as well is this, this, unfortunately, this orientation, this existence where we aren't fueling our feminine bodies. We aren't fueling our feminine spirits because we haven't been taught to. And this orientation to the life that we're speaking about is the fuel the fuel isn't i mean it can be but it, the yoni steam isn't the only fuel right those are kind of what i like to say almost like the superficial fuels they they support us they nourish us it's it's self care but when you're playing the game of self care as being your only source of nourishment you're you're basically just in the game of exchange 50 cents in, 50 cents out, $50 here, $50 there. You're always kind of weaving back and forth between being negative and being positive and being negative and being positive. Whereas when we actually root into the true feminine orientation of life, which we've just shared about, it's this deep rooted source of nourishment that actually it comes from the earth. It doesn't even just come from our bodies anymore. I'm not self-sourcing my nourishment anymore. And that requires a lot of dismantling around hyper-independence and needing to do everything ourselves and needing to be strong and all of these kind of ideas that have been plugged into our collective feminine consciousness around how we need to be as women. And so yeah, it's it's this descend down back to the earth back to the seasons back to the cycles everything you share Rachel it's this back it's this descent back down into our soil into our true root system as women
0: Hmm. I want to ask you so a, a big part of your work is obviously centered around the womb and the wisdom of the room and 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 by extension, the menstrual cycle as well. And you have a really beautiful way of speaking to the, the wisdom of the room space and the way that this wisdom manifests in different ways, depending on where we are in our, our cycle and the menstrual cycle. So I'm going to throw a couple of lines that you have written across some, some of your posts, And then I would just love to hear you expand on them and talk about them a little bit more. So you said on a post, a bleeding womb is a receptive, open, and sensitive womb. An open womb is able to feel. Mm. And you also said healthy ovulation is essential not only for fertility, but for your creativity, magnetism, pleasure, and sex drive. Ovulation circulates life force energy throughout the entire female body activating receptivity and openness to life. And I would love to hear you just 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 riff on the power that is activated and online during both ovulation and menstruation.
1: Yes, two of my favorite topics. <laughs> I would love to. So let's start with menstruation and just going into a little bit more around our womb space while we bleed and yeah, that receptive energy that is really present and can be used for our betterment and can also be a cause of discomfort and challenge as well. So both menstruation and ovulation are kind of these anchors within the menstrual cycle. So throughout our cycle as a whole, we're always in motion. We're always in movement, except when we're at menstruation and when we're at ovulation, there is a moment of groundedness at both of those poles. And so starting with menstruation, um, there's so much I could say about menstruation. I mean, I just wrapped up a three-part series on menstruation as a whole Uh, But to speak deeper to the bleeding womb is a receptive womb. So this really came through to me really strongly, probably about a year ago as I was bleeding. And, you know, a lot of what I share about the womb is through my personal experience. It's through my understanding of how our womb serves us in really aligning into our highest capabilities, our highest radiance as feminine beings. And so, again, this is my experience. And I do really believe a lot of this to be true based upon, of course, my experience and also working alongside women in their own womb journeys. So when we are bleeding, we are moving through, you know, so many different Things that are happening physically, emotionally, energetically. From a physical perspective, we're really shedding that endometrial lining. We're releasing any toxins or pathogens or bacteria that may be being held within the womb space or even the cervix and the vaginal walls. But again, from more of this energetic perspective, what I've really been able to tune into, especially over the last year, is that when we're bleeding, We are much more collectively plugged into the collective womb as a whole. And so we are all part of this interwoven web of creation of life, right? We are truly all one universal being. And we all came from the womb of our mother, who came from the womb of her mother, and so on and so forth. And so similar to how our physical body was really birthed from uh, our mother's physical womb, we were also birthed from Mother Earth's womb. We were also birthed from the primordial womb. And so we also share a universal collective womb and for some this might be landing for some this might be like what the actual heck is she talking about <laughs> and this is a concept that you'll never understand with your head this will never be understood with your head i tried for so long to like understand this from a mental perspective and it 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 doesn't land in the mental realm you have to you have to feel this truth you have to travel into your womb story and your womb experiences in order to really allow this to click. So if you're feeling resistance or confusion, just, just flow, just allow. Um, and so going back to that collective womb, I believe that when we are bleeding, we are tapped into this collective womb experience, meaning that we are feeling the emotions and the energies and the sensations and the experiences and the traumas of not just our womb and the uh, lineage of wombs that have been present within our maternal line, specifically, but we're also feeling the womb of the world. And so, what does this actually mean? Like, what how does that actually translate to physical life and reality? <laughs> so, while we're bleeding, we aren't just tuning in and detoxifying our own energy. Right. As women, we have this ability to really hold energy and recycle energy. We are these transmuters. We are alchemical by nature, based upon our ability to die and be reborn over and over and over again. And so while you're bleeding, this receptivity is beautiful in a way, in a sense that you will sometimes be asked to move through different emotions or feelings or traumas or sensations or past life memories that may or may not be yours, right? I always like to say what I'm experiencing during menstruation may or may not be mine, yet it is my responsibility to move through it because it's happening through my body because we are constantly in this life-death cycle. So it can be beautiful in the sense that we are really being asked to move through a lot of our deep healing as women while we're bleeding. I really see menstruation and also the luteal phase, but primarily menstruation being this exquisite time to dive into our own healing because we have the power of our own internal detoxification system it's it's working for us. And so that's really the medicine is that we're able to transmute and transform. And so when we understand that it supports us, right? However, there is kind of a shadow side to that because with res- receptivity comes a degree of openness that we may not all be able to handle and be able to be in relationship with, right? And so what I've noticed too, is that we're really receptive to our environments, to people, to energies, to, to world events that are happening, right? If you're bleeding and there's a really intense world event that happens, you are going to be feeling that tremendously deeper than someone who may be ovulating because the energy is just completely different. And so again, how does this translate into real life? While you're bleeding, it's we're going to be cl- plugged into this kind of collective womb regardless, but being mindful of what you allow into your spaces, being mindful of the people and the environments that you surround yourself with, taking space from social media and the news and all of the fear that is just constantly being Poured into our consciousness, right? Because menstruation is that time to transmute that which is moving through you and that which is moving through the collective. You don't need to be tuning into the media to feel what's happening in the collective. And so, yeah, it's this really beautiful time to work with the emotions and the energies that are present within you. And of course, that can be heightened by the moon cycles and the lunar cycles, right? There's that influence on it. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that because I'll just keep going because there's so many beautiful things around <laughs> menstruation, but I hope that that lands for, for y'all. And okay, ovulation on the other side is is a complete it's the polar opposite of menstruation. So menstruation being uh, the deepest yin portal of our entire cycle and ovulation being the more, most yang that we will really come into contact with. And so I am obsessed with ovulation. I think about ovulation all the time. I write about it often. I have so many ideas for different, you know, ways Uh, to support women in their ovulatory journeys because ovulation or ovulatory energy is creative energy. It's our fertile energy. It's our life force. And so our creative energy is intricately connected to our ovulatory health, to our ovulatory function. And our ovulatory health and function is our fertility. So our ability to ovulate indicates whether we are able to hold and gestate new life within our womb space. And so ovulation is the most important part of the entire cycle. So from that physical perspective, um, it's essential that we are Ensuring that our bodies are ovulating consistently and regularly, that we are nourishing our ovulatory health and consuming, you know, the right nutrients and foods that are supportive of ovulatory function. And when we are ovulating consistently and regularly, we really reap a lot of physical benefit. So there's a lot of research that shows that women who are ovulating more consistently have a, uh, you know, healthier brain health and don't struggle as mu- much with osteoporosis and some of these like, you know, uh, more chronic health conditions that tend to impact women later in life. Right. So there's a lot of health benefits to ovulation as an event. Um, and also When we are ovulating, we really experience this surge of that creative life force energy that surges through our body, that moves through our body, that I believe is fuel again for this feminine orientation to life, that is fuel for us being able to be rooted in ourselves. And, you know, I like to to look at each season of the cycle from, the light and from the shadow. So there are beautiful qualities to ovulation, such as feeling more magnetic, feeling connected to your purpose, really being able to be expressive, right? And share what is on your heart and and who it is that you really are. However, when we aren't living our life in alignment with the truth of our soul and the truth of our being, a lot of the shadow elements of ovulation can appear, which is feeling scared to be seen, not speaking our truth and allowing our voice to be heard, um, kind of hiding behind the scenes. And I know for myself, I used to do that for so long. I think everyone experiences a time in their life of, of not wanting to be seen, of feeling like they have nothing to say or nothing to offer or nothing to share. And so ovulation can really be this exquisite, powerful time of the cycle. And also it can be met with a lot of emotional turbulence and of course, physical turbulence as well, based upon your life, your environment. Uh, How is that that you're living your life? And this is an observation that I've made over the past few years is that, and I've never written about this. I, I would love I'm making a note to do so because this is something that's really come, come forward a lot is that when we aren't living our life rooted in purpose and aren't really following the creative poles of our womb and of our soul, we'll often feel blocked or incongruent or not not ourselves during ovulation because it's this time of of being deeply rooted in our purpose. Yet if our life isn't in alignment with that deeper truth, we're going to feel those incongruencies highlighted during ovulation. So yeah, it's this really beautiful time of the cycle. And just to wrap this up, you know, all the seasons of the cycle, they each have their own medicine. They each have their own ability to ultimately at the end of the day, support us in becoming who we're here to be on this earth. That's what I believe is the the deeper built in medicine of the menstrual cycle is it supports us in aligning with our true soul's purpose. And that purpose isn't necessarily connected to anything we do externally. It's connected to our resonance and our ability to be rooted in ourselves
0: thank you so much for sharing that and and for also pointing out the the more shadow aspects as well because i think it can actually be really helpful in witnessing really like the shadows is pointing out where we're out of alignment one way another as you just said so if we're if any of that's kind of clicking or ringing a bell as anyone's listening it's an opportunity to kind of, to delve a little deeper then I think. And, and, you know, I'm, I am thinking myself in in ways in which shadow comes through, particularly around ovulation, because really ovulation, that is, that's us stepping into our power as opposed to calling it back around that time of, of menstruation as well. So moving then from, the more energetic and like emotional wa- realms of womb work your work is also kind of it's deeply rooted within the physical realms too it's very uh, a holistic approach I suppose you would say which I love and you know we 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 know the sort of saying that menstruation is the fifth vital sign of, of health and things like that you've shared a lot uh, around the fact that the health of a woman can be kind of measured by the health and like the well-being of her womb. And I think this is really important and powerful for people to know because it's it also puts like our health and our well-being back into our own hands when we know that, um, you know, our, our bodies are constantly communicating to us. And the communication that comes through during menstruation is particularly clear and potent. We just need to know how to decipher the messages, right? And I know this is something I'm sure we both see in the work that we do. It's something that our culture is very lacking. Like as an overarching rule, girls are not being raised into women who are body literate and attuned to the ways in which their bodies are communicating to them. And yeah, this is like particularly evident in the way that we've struggled to, or the way we do struggle to connect and decipher what our wombs are telling us. It's usually not until things get quite dramatic. Um, Like our wombs are basically, it's the equivalent of them yelling at us, like extreme pain or the absence of menstruation or infertility. I hate that word, by the way. (laughs) I don't like using that word very much, but you know, every month, our wombs give us a report card, essentially, in the form of our blood and our menstruation. So my, my question here <laughs> is, could, I suppose, could you share where we might start? What are we looking for? And what you know might some of the more common symptoms, quote unquote, or challenges be communicating to us? What can we learn and decipher?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes another beautiful question. So just to make a couple of distinctions here, because uh, this is important and, and language is important. So our menstrual cycle really refers to our entire cycle. So all four seasons of our cycle, right? So our menstrual cycle as a whole shares a lot of vital information about our health. And then also menstruation, which is the actual release of our endometrial lining, also shares a lot about our overall health and vitality as a woman as well. So I want to just point out those distinctions because I might, as I share, kind of interchange the two, yet, well, not interchange, they have distinct meanings. So I'll be sharing about both, but just so everyone understands, menstrual cycle is the entire cycle, whereas menstruation is just the bleed or our period. So, yeah, this was a lot of the understanding that I had to move through when I got my IUD taken out. And when I was transitioning off hormonal birth control, I really had to learn A, how my cycle worked uh, so that I could prevent pregnancy. And then also B, I was experiencing challenges. And so I wanted to understand what was happening from a physical health level. And so just to give some context, you know, our womb health and a menstrual cycle health doesn't exist within a Petri dish. Okay. So our, the health of our womb is intricately connected to a lot of our other organ systems, uh, specifically our gut and digestive health, our liver health, our adrenal and thyroid health, and also our lymphatic system or our circulatory system. So when we're speaking about womb health, we're not just speaking about our womb or our cycle, we're speaking about all these other organ systems. And even our brain health impacts our menstrual health, our nervous system health impacts our menstrual health. So it's very intricate and layered. And I just like to share that context because You know, I think in our world, we really like to extract and just be like, okay, I'm focusing on this. Whereas when you're really focusing on your womb health, you're focusing on full body nourishment, full body women's health. So from the perspective of the menstrual cycle, we can learn a lot about how our hormones are working, how our hormones are flowing within our bodies. And so a healthy, vibrant, vital menstrual cycle is going to be anywhere between 25 and 35 days. So it's normal to have variety within our menstrual cycles, right? My menstrual cycle and length is going to look so much different than yours and vice versa. What we're really interested in cultivating though, is more consistency here. So it's not ideal to have a cycle that's 25 days, one cycle, and then 35 the next. We are looking for that degree of certainty and predictability within our bodies. So that's around the cycle length that we're looking for. Um, As far as the menstruation itself, anywhere between three to seven days of bright, healthy, red blood is considered normal. So it's uh, quite common and and really, you know, not the end of the world if you experience a little bit of premenstrual spotting at the beginning of your cycle or a little bit of darker blood at the end of your cycle. So when our uterus or our womb is releasing, the longer that the blood is within the actual organ itself, the more it's exposed to oxygen and the longer that blood is exposed to oxygen, the darker it becomes. So when you're experiencing the darker blood, whether it's in the beginning or the end, it just kind of means that the womb is not being able to expel the blood as quickly um, as it can at other points of the cycle. And so there's definitely ways that we can work on that and that we can, you know, improve the quality of our blood. Um, But just to kind of share that, you know, a lot of people are like, I spot the day before my period. It's like, okay, you know, that can mean that there is low progesterone, which is a really common hormone that is low um, within the female body. But there's a lot of ways that we can support our progesterone production and progesterone uh, really translating down to pro gestation, right? So we need enough progesterone in order to hold life within our bodies. Women who experience low progesterone will often have a hard time carrying a child to term. They won't even really normally get past, you know, six to 10 weeks of a pregnancy if you're really struggling with low progesterone levels. So that's a little bit of a side tangent. Um, and then also in terms of our cycle, we're looking for, uh, painless or or minimal pain with menstruation itself, minimal to physical, to emotional symptoms with PMS and also the same with ovulation, right? We don't want there to be a ton of ovulatory cramping or, um, spotting with ovulation. Some women will spot blood during ovulation and that's not necessarily healthy as well. And so first and foremost, understanding what a healthy menstrual cycle really looks like, right? In terms of menstruation itself, the actual blood, we want our blood to be bright ruby red. We do not want to have pink blood or black blood or brown blood our entire cycle, or even orange blood or dark purple blood. Our blood is an indicator of the vitality of our womb space. So black or brown blood, uh, can indicate a pathogen. It can again indicate that the blood is having a harder time traveling down from the womb through the cervix into the vaginal canal and actually releasing itself. And so that can be indicative that the womb is out of an optimal position our womb moves in and out of optimal position within our pelvic bowl. And so when the womb is introverted, which is uh, folding forward or retroflex, which is leaning backwards, that can make it hard for the blood to actually flow properly throughout the cervix and throughout the vaginal canal. So paying attention to that because, you know, again, when it comes down to, and, and this may be your path or it may not, And regardless, this is essential, regardless of whether preconception, preconceptive work and motherhood is a part of your journey, but there can be um, challenges with getting pregnant if your womb is not in the right position, right? And even a womb that isn't in the optimal position, it can impact. Uh, other elements of our hormonal health it can also impact again our creative energy our our sensuality and our sexuality so those are just kind of the basics as to like okay what are we looking for within a menstrual cycle what are we looking for within menstruation itself right no pain consistency regularity and what I really look at the menstrual cycle for again is this full body overall health and so, we can learn a lot about our thyroid health through our menstrual cycle, which so many women are experiencing uh, specifically and, and more commonly an underactive or a hypothyroid. And we can begin to see that through tracking basal body temperature by measuring our cervical fluid. So that's a really Easy, almost simple way to begin tuning into your menstrual cycle health is tracking your basal body temperature. Right? Anything really below like 97 degrees Fahrenheit, which I don't know the translation in Celsius. So I apologize to all of our Australian listeners. <laughs> I wouldn't um, even be able to to translate that either. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so anything really below like 97 degrees as a consistent basal body temperature is. Is indicative of potential hypothyroidism, which means that your metabolism isn't really operating to its fullest capability, which can slow down digestion and gut health, and it can, you know, impact your body's ability to ovulate on time and all of these things. So. It's really important for us to be tracking and charting our menstrual health. And the way that I teach tracking and charting is from this, you know, very physical perspective of measuring your basal body temperature every morning, of uh, tracking your cervical fluid, of seeing your cervical placement and understanding even just the way that your cervix feels and where she is within your body. It's crazy how many people don't know what their cervix is, where it is, and you know all of the amazing things that the cervix does for your body. So um, that's a really kind of tangible way to, to begin to observe what's happening. And then also from, this is still very like physical based, but just observing, you know, what is your energy like? What is your appetite like? What is your your libido like right beginning to understand who you are throughout these different seasons because if you're consistently experiencing low energy and fatigue and irritability in your luteal phase right that can help you understand the hormones that might be out of balance maybe you are experiencing estrogen dominance or low progesterone um we can understand too whether testosterone might be out of balance through tracking and charting the menstrual cycle. Uh, so, there's a lot of different ways that we can begin to understand really this like technology of our bodies. And I really think it's just crazy to me that we don't have a foundational class within elementary school or even within high school where we learn about our bodies because so many chronic diseases could be prevented or could be flagged way before the need uh, of, of pharmaceutical intervention if we were able to interpret the lessons and the wisdom of our menstrual cycle. So oftentimes imbalances will begin to present in the menstrual cycle first. Uh, In Ayurveda, the menstrual cycle or our womb is kind of the last organ that receives nourishment, meaning that if there is lack of nourishment, you know, at the top level, well, sure as hell, there's going to be deep nutritional voids at this deeper soiled womb level. And so when we begin to see our bodies in this way, it allows us, like you said, Rachel, I love what you said about we begin to kind of be our own detectives, our own healers. We understand what's happening within our bodies. And yeah, it's it's a big piece of this. You know, it's beautiful to, to drop into the emotional, energetic realms of the womb. And in my experience, a lot of women need to start in what we're talking about right now in the mm. physical dimension because we can't really be in full right relation to the health and the power of our womb space if she is experiencing physical imbalance or disease of any kind.
0: Mm. I'm just actually before before I do go on, so 90 degrees Fahrenheit, oh 97 is. Thirty-six degrees. There we go. <laughs> for clarity, for everyone. Um, and so that's that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing so so much there. Um, and what what kind of I was kind of taking notes, <laughs> scribbling notes as you were, as you were sharing. So, in terms of our our bleed, our blood itself, I just like to kind of summarize. I suppose we're looking at the color consistency and I suppose
1: duration or, uh, the, the length of time, length of time yes. of the bleed itself. And also I didn't mention this. So I'm going to just mention this in relation to cycle length. Um, is that like a short cycle or an, an irregularly long cycle is also something that we want to be paying attention to. And that's also with our bleed itself. So, our bleed can be too short. It can be too scanty and it can also be um, heavy and long and lengthened. Mm.
0: Yes. Okay. So key points there, as well as noting our energy, appetite, libido, as you said, um, and temperature, as we also kind of touched on. So there's some kind of like more again, we're talking about tangible things here that we can start to kind of to to touch on and to tune into. It's really funny you mentioned cervix is something that so many of us aren't, we don't even think about um, because (laughs) I'm kind of like, I can tell like as you're talking about cervix, like I love cervix Um, and I'm (laughs) exactly the same. But I actually, I went to the doctor a few months back for a, a screening and it was, it was really interesting. So I, I connect with my cervix every day in the shower, just like, just touch base. That's all it's, that's all it's about. Um, and when I went in to the doctor's appointment, um, I actually booked it. I haven't, I haven't even shared this before, but I, I booked it because I actually found a lump and it, it turned, it's a, it's a cyst essentially. So it's nothing that I need to like you know, freak out about, but I definitely was for a bit and I needed to, to book an appointment. And when I said to her, so I found a bump, she was like, first off, she was quite surprised um <laughs> that I I knew that. <laughs> and I was like, so I, you know, I I will touch my cervix each day, blah blah blah. Um and we had a kind of conversation, but later in the appointment, she was like, so um, I can't remember her exact question, but she was basically like, um how oh she asked how i am able to touch my cervix and i was like oh just with my my finger (laughs) Um, essentially and she's like she was i can't remember her exact words but essentially she was saying oh that's really interesting because a lot of women can't reach their cervix. And I was like, well, I'm not so sure about that, but okay. Um, And I think she was just really, she was, she was lovely and she was quite supportive. I think I kind of um, took her off guard a bit. Cause I also asked during that appointment, if I could insert the speculum myself. And she said, then like, I've never been asked that before, but okay. Um, so I think it was an experience for her as well <laughs> but I it, I really I left that that was probably the most interesting thing that I found from the whole appointment was that she was really surprised that I was able to touch my own cervix let alone mm. that I do <laughs> and that I was able
1: to note a change it's just very interesting yeah it's it's just really highlights how disconnected that the western allopathic medical industry is from the very truth and very nature of our bodies and healing Mm. right how how are we supposed to heal a part of our bodies that we can't feel Mm. that we can't touch that we can't come into connection and into relationship with right and cervix is the closest thing that we will be able to touch to our womb, it is the gateway to the womb, and it's a part of the womb. It's it's the mouth, and the uh, the head or the neck, excuse me, of the uterus. So yeah, that story is it's hilarious mm-hmm. on one side and also so illuminating to the deeper incongruencies that are within the traditional medical system at the moment
0: mm-hmm. yeah 100 i want to close our conversation here with a final question and it's kind of is shifting gears a little bit um but as you kind of touched on earlier a key part in your personal journey was your experience around abortion and i know that there's a whole lot of talk Around this, particularly at the moment, it's heightened and activated once more. Um, and I'm really appreciative that you know you said I I I checked in before we we jumped on the conversation here that you were comfortable sharing, and so I'm really appreciative that you are. Um, what I'm really curious to to hear from your perspective here. There's a lot of there's, there's a lot of talk, right? We know the conversation is present, but something that I would really love to hear more of within the the discourse in general is the relationship to, of abortion with rites of passage. So we touched on rites of passages earlier, and in terms of again, you you kind of touched on this as well. We we have these key foundational rites of passage within. The, the roots of the feminine so we can to clarify that we've got menarch which is a girl's first bleed essentially the menarch and girl's first bleed introduces us into the the realms of the maiden energy and birth enters into the role of mother and then menopause into or well, i use the term crone but you might say the wise woman as well so these key pivotal um, initiatory moments within our lives that kind of draw us into the next phase or our next iteration, I suppose, and role within the world. And I'm really, really curious to hear your thoughts and experience around um, the the, the role of the rites of passage and entering and relating to mother energy and that of abortion. So I suppose my question here is what do you feel this experience Meant for you in relationship to the archetype of mother, what are your thoughts around the initiation that does or does not occur? And I, I, I suppose as well, like, what is the the healing or, at the very least, the integration that you feel is important following the experience of a termination of pregnancy?
1: Mm, yes, I'm so happy to be talking about this because this is a very polarizing topic and we won't get into all of that because, you know, there's there's a lot there. But in relation to everything you've just shared around abortion being a rite of passage and ways to support yourself through that integration, through that journey. So what a lot of people don't fully understand is that abortion in itself is pregnancy loss. So similar to a miscarriage, similar to stillbirth, abortion is an iteration. It is a realm of pregnancy loss. And so the woman who has moved through pregnancy loss is now in a phase of postpartum and so postpartum is this very unglamorous and highly disregarded phase of womanhood that I believe is kind of at the beginning of really making a massive transition in our culture and in our understanding of this transition of this phase of womanhood and so Abortion is really this fork in the road for many women. It is a moment where you are standing in one place and you either choose to go left or you choose to go right. And I believe every person that's made the decision to choose abortion versus choosing to hold a pregnancy to life has really grappled with that monumental choice. I think there are, of course, people that move through that transition and that choice very unconsciously, and almost uh, very logically, you know. And I think that there will always be there will always be a time where one has to come back into connection with the emotions that were centered around that choice, whether you decide to connect to those emotions then and there, or later down the line, if that makes sense. Mm. And so whenever we're at this fork in the road, and we choose this next passageway, we choose we choose the right lane instead of the left, we are really met again, with this doorway that's opening, and we're met with a lot of different learnings and life experiences and, and journeys that God and great spirit is really placing in front of us to move through. And, you know, what that looks like for me is going to be completely different than what that looks like for someone else. And I have moved through two abortions within my life and they were both very different um my experiences, experiences with them, my orientation towards them, the emotions that were centered around them, very different experiences. But what was similar between the two of them was that I felt like I was reborn. I felt like I had left a part of myself in the space where I received my abortions and, and they were quite a few years ago. And it was way before I was ever really, you know, even introduced to herbal abortions. It was, you know, I I had never even really heard of that realm. And so in hindsight, you know, would I have wished I could have done it differently? Of course, I wish I could have been able to release at my own home and had a ceremonial journey. But at that time in my life, I, I wasn't as aware and conscious as I am now around the deep truth of what abortion is. And and truthfully, in full transparency, I am still moving through the weight of what that decision represented, what that decision meant. It doesn't mean that I regret it. It doesn't mean that I feel guilt for it. And I've come to this place within myself where I've really realized that that I chose my life over another life. I chose my life twice over another life. And that holds this texture of, of deep emotion. And that emotion at times feels like sadness. It feels like almost betrayal or, or guilt, right? There, there is that undertone of emotion that can be very present for us as women. And we hold our emotions within our bodies. We hold our emotions specifically within our womb space. And so as it relates to a rite of passage, just to like kind of clarify your question, is that there needs to be or there gets to be a closing of some sort. There has to be an integration period. We can't walk through these moments of life without there being a clear moment of reconciliation, a clear moment of this is what I have done. I have chosen this path. And it doesn't mean that all of the other emotions are going to just go away, right? When you have that moment of cl- clearing and, and ending, it doesn't mean that you won't ever experience the feelings that are associated with those choices. But I really learned that we have to have these moments of closing the ceremony, right? Whatever is opened must be closed. And so within this realm of integration, it's really integrating the experience of abortion, how it lands within your body. Again, it, for some people, and I don't necessarily agree with this, I think that there needs to be a lot more reverence around abortion and that uh, ultimately when we Go back to the roots of it. It's it. It's a deeper call and cry for us to understand the realm and and the literacy of our body, as we were talking about earlier. But yeah, there gets to be integration around what has happened to your body and the choices that you you have made around this and what you're learning from this, right? Because it's not just another routine procedure. It's not just going in and and getting a pap smear or uh, getting, you know, a tooth taken out or whatever it is. There is deep medicine to be held within that. And I really feel like my two journeys with abortion have helped me understand the archetype of mother more. I believe that it's going to support me in really anchoring into that energy when that time comes. And this is a little bit of a a different, you know, tangent topic, but I think it relates to the realm of abortion because I believe that our journey into mother starts a lot. uh, It starts years before we actually become a physical mother. And so my initiations, my journeys with abortion, I believe were little, pivotal moment, not little, they were big, pivotal moments that have supported me in understanding the orientation of mother, the embodiment of mother. And I'm not quite there yet. I know I have tremendous more to learn on that path, but it's supported me in learning how to mother myself first and foremost, and being able to hold myself in the waves of grief and sadness and confusion and sometimes, you know, emptiness around those experiences. So, you know, I always encourage those who have experienced any form of pregnancy loss, whether it's miscarriage, stillbirth, or an abortion to close that portal through a ceremony, whether it's a ceremony that you offer yourself Or whether it's a ceremony that you have a sister or a healer or ceremonialist facilitate for you, because there has to be a recognition of what has been lost, while also what has been birthed through this, because it is simultaneously a loss and it is a rebirth. There, you are emerging new from this journey, from this experience that has happened and without that integration we aren't able to actually look at who we are now and we kind of shared this in the beginning that we're not always going to receive that acknowledgement from our community from our partners and our families and that can be a beautiful way to to witness how we have evolved and changed but at the end of the day, we have to be able to do that for ourselves. We have to be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and, and witness what has changed and transformed from this journey. And so, yeah, I really see it being a pivotal piece of our feminine healing journey. And it can only be pivotal if we allow it to. And, and that's with everything in life. You know, it's it's making magic out of the mundane it's allowing your dirt to become your fertilizer and going back to one of your first questions it's like that's that's the feminine that is that orientation to allowing life to be your teacher and yeah really just surrendering into the lessons and it's a really sensitive topic it's it's a it's a it's a crunchy one for a lot of people. And, you know, I think what I've just really come back to time and time again is that it's not black or white. It's not just this way or the other way. And so really allowing yourself to move through like your thoughts and your feelings around it, because especially if you've been through it, it's a powerful, powerful piece of your journey that that gets to be integrated. And this will be the last thing I'll say, but you know, I do think that a lot of people who especially get abortions earlier in life who who maybe don't have this context and this understanding of of life itself will be asked to integrate those experiences later in their life. And and again from this like physical, emotional, spiritual perspective of the womb, that's more of like an energy. well, there's definitely a physical component here, but there's also a deep energetic spiritual component. And so as time goes on, the trauma begins to crystallize and harden, and it begins to formulate into our actual cells and tissues and muscles and organs. And so a lot of times when we're experiencing disease or imbalance within our womb space in our 30s and our 40s and our 50s. It's the womb's cry to integrate these past experiences, whether it's abortion, whether it was miscarriage, maybe it was sexual assault, whatever it may be. And so our bodies are always communicating with us and our experiences in life really, really are here to move through us and ultimately inform our path.
0: Thank you so much for sharing. So just just for sharing. <laughs> That, that was really, um, there's a lot of threads. And as you said, it's, it is a crunchy subject. Um, but I, I really, really appreciate hearing hearing your own thoughts and reflections and your own experience, which I think is the most important thing here is being able to share experiences around topics like this to create a dialogue and a conversation. And I think what's really interesting we are going to i'm going to wrap up soon with the, my little rapid fire questions but um what what i think is really important here outside not even outside beyond just the scope of a topic like abortion um but looking even wider um around something like like for, for, for rites of passage when the way i understand them and the way i i kind of relate to them is we have to understand they are a pivotal moment where something ends for something to begin. Um, and mm-hmm. so when we're whether it's, you know, we can look at this even from literally from birth, like as in like when we give birth to a child, um something there, the the person we were before that moment ends, right? Mm-hmm. They are that that person. Finishes and ends there, and when we step beyond that threshold, we are someone different. Um, And that's just from a a one example, but that's how it's important to understand rites of passage from that perspective. That something does need to end, and I think that that piece around integration that you shared—that's why I think for so many, whatever the matter might be, it, it, it can come back later if it's not fully integrated then and there because there's still something that needs to be acknowledged that has ended for us some piece of us or part of us that has ended and been left there but never acknowledged. And I think if anyone's ever wondering what this might mean or look like in their lives if they haven't you know been ceremonially ceremonially led through a rite of passage um and it hasn't something hasn't been fully integrated I think the key uh, kind of signals there that something isn't integrated or missing is this sense of loss or a confusion or disconnect or it's just a sense of like what the hell is going on and unable to kind of grab or ta- anything tangible and i think that, that that feeling is that um that piece of us that has been ended that has has needs to be left behind but hasn't been acknowledged or integrated as such. And so there's this piece of us that's kind of hanging around or mm-hmm. kind of loose. Um, and so what you were sharing there around integrating as well I think is so important in the sense that we, when we do that work, even if it is in simply holding, I say simply, but holding ceremony to acknowledge and to close that experience, mm-hmm we're kind of keeping that, that that space clean and clear as much as possible then. So we don't have these these loose bits hanging on and where it's, it's interwoven rather than loose threads, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that resonates, <laughs> speaks to it,
1: but that's kind of what came through for me as you were also sharing. Yeah, I'm so happy you shared that because it's landing perfectly. And I think that that will support anyone listening to this who might not be familiar with the rights as rites of passage as much to understand like what we're speaking about. It's there's an ending and therefore a new beginning. And we have mm-hmm. to acknowledge what is ending so that we can fully step into the new beginning uh, with that sense of renewal and rebirth. So yes, mm-hmm. everything you just shared was so divinely articulated. <sighs>
0: this
1: this has been,
0: it's been a meaty conversation, but so delicious. (laughs) I'm so thankful for all of the places that like we've gone and that this conversation has led us. Um, I do, as I said, I have some rapid fire questions, which I love to ask everyone. So this is just what is present for you? First thing that comes to, to heart and to mind for you. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. So first question is, what is nourishing your soul right now? So what are the practices that are bringing you home to your body and to the
1: earth? Mm, Love this question. First thing that just came to my mind is watering my garden. Every night, we water in the evening and that feels so nourishing. I just got to go out there, speak to my plant babies and, and nibble on the little greens and fruits that are growing. My morning tea, my morning herbal tea, sunlight, connecting to nature, spending time just with myself, spending time with my heart and my soul. So yeah, just a few things.
0: Mm, delicious. Second question. If you could recommend one book for every person to read on their journey of
1: weaving the wild into their lives, what would it be? Mm. I think what's coming to mind first is Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom by Christine Northrup. That is, that is my Bible. And then also Anatomy of the Spirit by uh, Carolyn Meese. That's one of the first books I ever read on my spiritual path. And it just changed the game forever.
0: Amazing. Do You know, I haven't, both of those books are on my list, but I haven't read either of them. There And I know Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom is, it's
1: always there, but it's such like a, a tomb. <laughs> like, yeah, just pick it up. And I've start. got to get you into it. To read it. You don't have to read it front to cover. You can choose.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, I will link um, all of this obviously as well in the show notes, but thank you for those recommendations. The final question is, how are you currently weaving your wild at the moment, Haley, what are you doing and exploring or feeling called to follow
1: more of in your own rewilding journey? Mm, I love this question. Okay. Two things kind of come to mind. The first, and I'm far from perfect in this, but this is something that's been really present and alive on my heart is being as self-sufficient as possible, uh, from a food perspective. So growing more food, raising, um, we have land here. So raising some sheep and some cattle for high quality animal protein. Um, we just had a bunch of baby chicks that just hatched. So, uh, like giving them a sustainable thriving life so that they can produce pasteurized eggs and really getting to the place where our food supply is not a hundred percent, but at least like 60 to 75% coming off of our own land. That's something that's felt really necessary for me, especially over the last year. And I think the other one that really came through is, and I don't know if this is exactly in connection to your question, but uh, just Unplugging from like media and social media and really allowing my inner voice and my inner compass to be heard. And I know we were talking about this before we pressed record, but that feels like a way of rewilding myself because, yeah, media doesn't feel congruent to the wild essence of my body and my spirit and my soul. And so finding new ways to share and express my work that don't always include social media and, yeah, returning back to the earth as often as I can.
0: Mm, you could probably, like, I probably could have articulated what's present in my own life and heart mm-hmm. better. I think <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. I think for a lot of people... Food sovereignty is obviously a bit of a hot topic at the moment, but there's also something deeper where there's a rewilding in a sense that's happening where we're drawing ourselves out of the, for want of a better word, matrix of, of digital like social media and dropping back into life um, and finding what threads can take us there. And for a lot of us, it is actually Growing our food and you know things like that. So it's really beautiful that you share that. Thank you. Before we close, Haley, um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity as well to, to share where we can find you and your work and offerings as well. But is there anything else that's on your heart that you would like to share with the listener right now? Something that maybe we didn't touch on, or anything that's just present for you at the moment? Hmm.
1: I think what's just coming through is to just allow yourself to be immersed in spaces that you feel curious about, that you desire to learn and embody more about. And, you know, I know for me for a while, the realm of the womb felt very intangible. It felt very mysterious and confusing and they're called the mysteries for a reason because it's always a mystery. It is an exploration. It is a relationship above all. And so if anything here landed or maybe even felt a bit challenging to fully grasp, I just really encourage you to allow yourself to be saturated with that which fuels you and also that which kind of like not necessarily triggers you, but just kind of ignites a little bit of deeper curiosity in your life. And also, I just really want to thank you, Rachel, for creating such a nourishing, loving space to dive into an array of all the topics that I'm passionate about. I feel like we were able to go into so many different threads. And it's really rare that I'm able to kind of share the breadth of everything that I feel very passionate about within one podcast recording, but we touched on a lot of topics and I just feel really, I feel really nourished by this conversation. So thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. I feel very nourished too. And it's it, I will say this is probably going to be one of the longer "Waving <laughs> The Wild episodes, but it deserves it because we, we did go into such Uh, depth within particular topics and it's really hard when I'm sitting down to think of the questions I want to ask someone like yourself like where do I want to go I'm just (laughs) going to go I'm going to do it all (laughs) I want to ask her all the questions but thank you I'm I'm so glad um where can we find you lovely where what are your offerings how can people connect with you
1: Mm -hmm. yes thank you for asking So yeah, I'm sharing most of my work through Instagram and my podcast. So my Instagram is at Root and Womb Co and my podcast is the Root and Womb Collective Podcast. Um, I'm sure Rachel will have those linked for you guys. And um, in terms of my work and how you can connect deeper. So I have a three or a six month mentorship, which is called Embodied Feminine Healing. And this is a really unique, customized, intimate journey for the woman who is wanting to either heal any physical imbalances of her womb or also really just dive deeper into the mystery and the wisdom. Of the portal of the womb, and as I shared, it's a very intimate container. So it's based upon your desires, your challenges, challenges, what you're moving through. As I'm sure you can see from this podcast, you know my work is very multidimensional and layered. So uh, we move into different feminine and masculine dimensions of healing within that space. Um, I also offer one-off activation sessions, and I am currently in the works of creating our signature program for Root and Womb Collective, which should be shared here in probably the next few weeks. So this will be centered upon womb wisdom and embodiment and feminine-based living, feminine orientation to life, um, holistic womb care, and really ways that you can learn to be in relation to your body and your womb and the earth as the woman. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, I wish I had like an actual date of when we're starting, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, but yeah, I'm always open to chat on Instagram as well. I love communicating just with different people within the community. So if anything from this conversation invoked you or inspired you, I would love to drop in deeper with you about that. So yeah, I'm sure Rachel will link all of those things.
0: Absolutely. I certainly will. And thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. For anyone who's listening, if anything has kind of resonated or landed in any way, please feel free, as um, Haley said, reach out, let us know because we love we love hearing and having conversations around this as well. And, and share it, tag us both. All the links for Haley and myself will be in the show notes. And when your beautiful signature course is available, I'll make sure to come back in and, and pop that link underneath as well. So it'll be there in the future when it is available. I hope you are all having a beautiful day wherever you are in the world whenever you are listening and thank you beautiful Haley, for for being with us today on the Weaving the Wild podcast thank you for having me thank you for listening to the Weaving the Wild podcast I'm walking my path here on Dja, Dja country and I acknowledge the Judge elders past and present